the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Renegade Women and Soul Care, where we share conversations with dynamic and amazing women and discuss how they navigate life while taking care of their souls and savoring their time with God. Who is this renegade woman? She is the woman who behaves in an unconventional manner. She is the woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, and her passion to overcoming, to serving, and to bettering the world, including any other promptings that call to her soul. Maria enjoys creating beauty through interior design, painting murals, restyling clothes, and acting as a stylist for clients to help them develop a new, confident, attractive appearance with their own unique style, participating in mission opportunities, sharing adventures, traveling, and enjoying outdoor activities with friends and other family members. She is an amazing woman. Her first children's book and song collection has come out. It's called Silver's Song, which helps children's children and adults discover how loved and special they are and remove the pain of being bullied by learning to forgive and bless those who hurt them. Her desire is to help heal wounded hearts so that they can help others heal and experience restored health, body, mind, and spirit, and be able to freely give and receive love. She currently lives in Santa Rosa, California with her husband and oftentimes with a foreign student where she helps them grow into their role of learning here in this country. I would like to welcome Maria to the show right now. Maria, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation with you and learn a little bit more about you and the special uh, blessings and gifts that the Lord has bestowed upon you. So let's talk about how we met. Yeah, we met through Luann's uh, Kingdom, the Kingdom View TV show, because we, we flew, we actually flew out to Santa Rosa Beach in Florida to be a part of the show in person there with ah. her. And so that's where I first heard your name. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, it's so good to really officially meet you because although we've, we have her in common, I don't think we've worked on anything um, jointly where, where we get to know each other a little bit. So I'm excited yeah. for this opportunity. Me, me too. What would you like the listeners to know about you in addition to the information that's on your bio? Well, I'm pretty thorough though. Maybe I, I just, uh, you know, I think I've said everything. I, I love adventure and I love people and I love God. Those are probably my big three things. <laughs> I'm always learning new things. And isn't that so rewarding to yes. be constantly filling up and then yes. we get to give it out? Yes. So that's that's, That's why I became a teacher. I think I had to figure out a way to finance constant learning. So yes. I became a teacher. Yeah. That is very, very cool. And, and I love to be able to look at those that you've had. We have had the blessing to pour into, even if it's just a little bit. 
and and see how God works that out. It's it's just it's quite special. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, Maria, why would you consider yourself a renegade woman? Well, tell me how you define. We're on the same page. Sure. I define the renegade woman as a woman who behaves in an unconventional manner and <laughs> a woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, her passion to overcoming, to serving, and to bettering the world and any other number of verbs that call to her soul. That is my definition of the renegade woman. Yeah, I'm pretty renegade then. I get in yeah. trouble because of it, though, too. I'm one that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm the one that says what's under the rug when everybody else is sweeping stuff under the rug. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that I'm a truth teller and I try to speak the truth in love, but I am one to, um, you know, really confront that. And and I I think also uh, I can be unconventional in the sense that um, I just I really want to see everybody doing authentically what they were created to do. And so yeah. sometimes I, or I will challenge people when it seems like they're in dissonance or kind of not, not really living their best selves, you know, and, and go yeah. or going they're They're choosing what's the common way. I always say, you know, the way down uh, the river, everybody's floating downstream. I'm always the one that's trying to swim upstream. What's up right. there. <laughs> so Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, to it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And and I came upon the renegade woman terminology because my mom is a serious renegade and she was raised by like a band of serious renegade women. So I think that for me, the um, the wording runs deep. But then meeting other women that I consider renegade women has been so much fun to um, to see them dance and sing and, you know, shout out about the blessings they've been given and and, you know, going upstream or being unconventional or breaking the rules or coloring outside yeah. the line. You know? yeah. so it's been so much fun. It's been so much fun. And I'm in all of the above ones. I definitely color outside the lines, even as an artist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. What do you consider to be your most significant accomplishment, Maria? Well, you know, we, <laughs> it's so funny. We, I probably being a wife and a mother, I couldn't be a mother without being a wife, but just getting that opportunity. I got married later in life. I was 36 uh -huh. when I got married. Didn't even know. I didn't see a great marriage model. So I didn't even know if I wanted to get married. I didn't really see too many people that looked happily married. And so yeah. I just kind of wrote it off a little bit saying, I'm going to pursue my relationship with God and missions and teaching. And if I meet someone great, but if not, I'm going to live a full life. And then um, my, my own story of meeting someone is pretty amazing, but I uh, really kind of had a fear about getting married probably because of that. Uh, and also uh, fear of being a mom, but the only way through fear is to do it. And you know, right. that's a blessing that I would never trade just being able to be a carrier of life and I only have one son, but just nurturing him and watching him grow. And he's now 27 and married and living on his own in Colorado. But it's been a, it's been a, a, a beautiful, I mean, it's, it's hard to say it was my accomplishment. It's just something the Lord allowed me to do, but it's been right. a great joy and a great responsibility. I mean, to, to help form another human being very specifically. Yes. So that's probably the greatest. Yes. I, I myself have two sons and um, I, I, 
personally think it is an accomplishment because we invest so much time and energy and there's so much quote coaching and mentoring and pouring into and it's not to sit back and say look what I did but to sit back and say look who they've become yes partly because Mm -hmm. of my input into their life and their heart and their mind and their soul so I I congratulate you because it's um yeah it's a great joy when I see him thriving and I know it's all the God gifting in him and we just get a small sure. role in that, but it is, it is something beautiful to watch your children uh, grow and become who they were intended to be. And now okay. we're friends, not, I'm no longer in that parenting right. role, you know, so that With took me. some transition too. <laughs> yeah. But it, it becomes so special that part of it transition, transitioning mm-hmm. from mom to, you know, mm-hmm. really, really special. So that's great. That's great. What would you consider to be your favorite word and why? Oh, I love, I have a, my favorite four letter word is L-O-V-E. Yeah. The love girl. I, I had to go through a period of kind of detoxing and letting go religiosity and all the Christianese and the little religious trappings we pick up along the way. And I really uh, was during a dark night of the soul for me, but I was like, Lord, what do I hold on to? What's what's the essence of the gospel? And he's like, well, it's it's his favorite four letter words, his very nature, love. Love God, love people, keep it simple. And so I really uh, began a quest of just even, well, what does my life look like as a, as a loving individual? And so, you know, the famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians, he had me just start memorizing all the love verses and and use that as a definition, like instead of First Corinthians 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind, I'd put my name there. Maria's patient. I'm working yeah. on that one. Maria's kind, Maria's loving, she doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So that's my favorite four-letter word, and it's really because I know it's the essence of God, and it's why we're here, and I kind of, I really want everyone to experience his love, and it comes through human beings often. I was really loved into the kingdom by some Christians on campus when I was at the junior college, so it was a, they, they lived their faith very concretely yeah. and um, just things. My car would break down. They'd be riding their bikes by, oh, we'll come back with tools and fix it. They, I have an older brother who's schizophrenic and he was in a psych hospital. They went to visit him. They helped me move. Um, they just were like love in action. So definitely my favorite, my favorite word. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And it's so funny when you said that um, love, your, it's a four letter word, love. Well, my chapter for our book that we're participating in together, A Kingdom Word Now, is called um, something like The Beauty of Four-Letter Words or something oh. like Four-Letter Words. And one of the four-letter words that I chose was love. Oh, cool. Other four-letter word that I chose was hope. And the other four-letter word that I chose was word, his word, W-R-D. Oh, I love it. But when you're a word girl like me. I'm a word girl. That's cool. Yeah, when you said it, it That's great. I love that, hope and word. Yeah, and my my, chapter is on love. So yeah, Yeah. we're bonded there. I see that. (laughs) I like it. I like it. (laughs) What would be your least favorite word, Maria? Well, boy, that one, I was contemplating that. I think it's kind of, it's, uh, I kind of have two, and this is a 
this is a four letter word too, fear, fear. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, then I also was toying with, oh, rejection. And they're kind of related, but fear, because, you know, we know is perfect love casts out fear, but fear is the enemy's tool to keep us from fully living. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, I don't like that word because it keeps people in all kinds of bondages. And even my fear, I talked about, I was afraid to get married. Well, I have to get over it, you do it. And so, right. but I would have been held back from the blessings or the fear of being a mother. So I hate the way fear uh, locks, shackles people's hearts, their yeah. minds, their bodies. I just, I hate this destructive effect on people. So that's definitely a word I do not like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely understand that. And it is, it's such a debilitating space to be in or to be touched by and um, trying to work your way out of it and through it, you know, with the guidance of the Lord, yeah. it can be very, very difficult depending yeah. on, on the, the reason for the fear or, or what a person is going through. Um, another word that you just used that is one of the words that I use is shackles mm -hmm. and the shackles that um, can, you know, attack us with fear, with anxiety, with trauma, with, you know, so many of those other things. And I, I, I like the word because shackles can be broken. You can, mm -hmm. you can do a visual and see them falling off in a way. So um, another, another common word that we've used. What do you think is the hardest thing that you have ever done? Oh, you know, hard is good, but I've, uh, I've had to confront uh, a man who was sexually abusing my brothers and bring that into the light. I would say mm -hmm. the hardest things I've had to do have been bringing uh, things into the light, dark things into the light. And it, mm -hmm. and it, in, in different settings, but in that particular case, and then with a good friend who was actually a marriage family therapist, who was doing totally enmeshed with her son and doing some, having him do some really inappropriate things. So I would say it's been costly. They've been difficult because I've loved the people and not everyone responds to Yeah a confrontation in love or with acceptance. And, and a lot of times I've, <laughs> I've lived long enough that if people don't like the problem you're presenting them with, or they, they make you the problem. And so sure. um, I've had that happen several times, both in, in relationships. So probably that whole idea. And even in church settings, I've confronted some things that were dishonoring to God and, and been booted from places and things. Yeah. And, so I'm, that's part of the renegade too, though, because, yeah. I, oh, I go, oh yeah, they called Elijah a troublemaker and I actually even heard someone Hold on. <laughs> yeah, someone called me that once. Here's Maria Crane. She's a troublemaker, you know, and I thought, well, I'm in good company. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. Amen yeah. to that. And, and I think that, that from, from my perspective, um, as we, you know, mature as women and as we grow and as we overcome, we're better able to stand for the truth than maybe we were when we were younger. Oh yeah. To, for sure. To be able to look at that and acknowledge that. And then to be able to come alongside younger women and say, you know what, I did it and you can do it too. Mm -hmm. And encourage and, and all of that. So yeah. And that's scriptural, right? We, yeah. as we get older, I go, oh, what's the role now? We're supposed to teach the younger ones. That's I go, it. oh, I'm, I'm actually the older woman now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so cool. I love yeah, it. I, it I, is. I absolutely it is. love it. Yeah. Well, Maria, what makes you weep? 
Oh gosh. You know, I feel like Jeremiah so often. I weep almost daily over something. Yeah. I mean, today I wept at my friend's dad's funeral and just seeing her lose. You know, it's it's I've lost both my parents now, but just I think heartache seeing other people struggle. I, I weep over the state of our nation sometimes. Yeah. I, I can so identify Jesus where he wept over Jerusalem. Yeah. When you see people that whose lives are trapped or the destruction as a teacher. You know, I want to see every student I've ever had just thrive. And when you hear about news that one of them's taken a turn or gotten involved in gangs, yeah, significantly destructive decisions. Weep. I, I, I have a heart for the underdog. And when I, when I see people, my children's stories about bullying, but when I see people bullying and hurting people, when I see people, uh, you know, cut off relationship with basically any way people withhold love, violence, anything yeah. that synapses of love makes me weep. I just, I, I hate seeing that kind of uh, destruction in our culture and in people's lives. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. And, and again, another commonality, this is just really, really interesting. Um, my heart is for the least of these. Yeah, and me too. It's, it's for the people on the outskirts. It's, it's for, mm-hmm. you know, the, the really, really broken and, and, and all of that. And it just, it touched my heart when, you know, when you said you have a heart for the underdog, cause I, I do too. I was the underdog, so I better have one. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I can claim I've been that underdog. I've right? been the one sitting alone. So I just have a heart for that. Cause I know what it feels like. Yeah. You know? And it's what scripture says, you know, we comfort others with the, comfort we've received, but sometimes the pain we can identify with gives us a compassion for those that are experiencing that same type yes. of pain. Yes. Yes, it does. I, I spent about uh, seven years doing um, chaplaincy in a juvenile hall. Mm. And prior to that, I did uh, prison ministry at a high, uh, high level, um, high security level prison here in San Diego. And so I did a the men's prison ministry. And then I, I got called into the juvenile home ministry and I began to understand how the men ended up in prison with spending time with these young people who, who were so deprived of guidance and love and direction and resources and all of that. And those are like my people, you know, mm. I, I love the Me too. heartedness and the, I don't love the brokenheartedness. I love pouring into the brokenheartedness of, uh, of that, uh, of that, you know, group of people. So me too. And I actually worked, I taught, I taught, I didn't work in juvenile hall, but I taught students who had just gotten out of juvenile hall and <laughs> had to make up credits. So yeah. 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 It's, it's a blessing. What do you think has brought you to this point in your life? A lot of heartache and tears myself. Um, yeah. um, you know, I spent a lot of years trapped in my own self-pity, uh, depression, disappointment, just lived there for a long time. I grew up in an alcoholic family um, with my father's uh, really, I don't know if he, he stopped drinking right before he died at age 93. So that's a lot of years, but yeah. I, he, I think he just had so much pain, undealt with pain in his own life. He was a veteran and saw his dad commit suicide and his old, only an older brother went down as a gunner in World War II. And he just, oh, you know, he carried a lot of pain inside. And then as we know, hurt people can hurt people. Sure. So, you know, he, he 
was pretty cruel in the words he spoke, a lot of verbal and emotional abuse. And so, you know, I, until I came to know Christ around the age of 19, I was really trapped in a lot of pain. And even as a young Christian, you know, I was understanding and studying the word, but it, I had to get that pain up and out. And so right. I spent decades really um, getting counseling, doing inner healing, prayer, you name it. I probably tried it, <laughs> deliverance, all of it to get set free because I thought I I saw so many people, myself included, like kind of dragging a ball and chain through life. Yeah. I got to get this thing off. And so I did something called, it was a pastoral care school. Actually, it was down in, it was in um, Point Loma there, uh, not far from you. Yeah. Uh, a pastoral care school with Liam Payne, which was very healing and different things. And, you know, now, and I can remember going to those things and just going, wow, whoever the speaker was, in that case, it was Leanne Payne, who was a, you know, she's an author and she right. was a professor at Wheaton and just traveled all over the world, bringing freedom to people. And I just was so in awe of them and their calling and their ministry. And th now I realize theirs was all birthed out of pain too. And yes. it's like, well, hurt people, hurt people, but then heal people, heal people. So exactly. now I'm on the healing end. I mean, I'm not, I haven't arrived. There's no wings and halo, but I, I got over myself a little bit there and just being trapped in so much of that self-pity and pain. And the Lord did an incredible amount of healing. And now I just, I want to help others. I'm like, Lord, I remember praying. I don't want my pain to be in vain. Like if you can use my pain to help others heal quicker so they don't have to carry around that ball and chain so long, I will just, I would be delighted to, yes. to use that. So I call it, I'm the beauty for ashes. There yeah, are a lot of ashes, but there's a great exchange rate with the Lord. And that's one of my lifetime scriptures, Isaiah 61, especially verse three, the, the, the beauty for ashes. And yeah. so I just tell the women and people I work with, the more ashes, the more beauty, the more beauty to the cross. So it's a good exchange rate. So now I'm, I'm here trying to do whatever I can, whatever the Lord leads to help others redeem their ashes and live into the, abundant and beautiful life that that god you know sent jesus to die for so they could live yes yes absolutely true and it it's like my life chapter is isaiah 61 oh my gosh we have so much in common. we do we do wow. so, we gotta meet we gotta meet we do we must yes yeah beauty for ashes most definitely and i love what you said about a great exchange rate that is going in the show notes. That's just, that's priceless. Yeah. Uh -huh. I tried to, because some people have had more ashes. Yeah. Like you got to let go of them and you got to bring them to the cross. And then, and even now I don't live in a place of denial anymore. Sure. Things hurt me. I have a sister that hasn't talked to me since my mom died seven years ago and it's painful seeing them all get together as a family and yeah. we're excluded. That's painful. I don't pretend it doesn't hurt, but I say, okay, Lord, I'm giving you those ashes. I'm bringing them to the cross. Actually, Liam Payne taught me that. I have a little cross, and a lot of times I'll hold the cross and say, there's the pain of that rejection, or there's the pain yeah. of that episode. And I can't wait to see what what beautiful thing you're going to make from that those ashes, Lord. You know, I don't want to hold on to them and be trapped by them. And so. Excellent. That that's a beautiful metaphor and a, and a beautiful visual to um, to do for yourself personally, but also to think about mm -hmm. um, something to to just make the ashes create beauty. 
Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What is the singular thing that you believe has had the biggest impact on your life and giving you success? Well, it's obviously when I opened myself to a real relationship with God, when I moved out of religion and the form and the rituals um, that I learned being raised Catholic uh, into that vital relationship where I could talk with God and hear him talk to me and, and really the biggest impact on the word of God. I love the word of God. I love um, the power it has to transform our lives. I love uh, that we can speak it, speak those things that aren't as if they were according to Romans 4, 17, there's yes. just uh, such power. So it's definitely been my relationship with God and the fullness of a relationship with the Holy spirit, the word of God. And even, um, you know, he didn't, I always think he didn't put us all on, a little island by ourselves just to fellowship with him he put us around people because right you know that's the other part of the cross i always think the cross is such a a beautiful picture of relationship the strong yeah. long vertical with our, our relationship with god and then the shorter horizontal uh piece of the cross that exemplifies our relationship with people so but walking with other believers and it can get painful sometimes too we hurt each other but practicing forgiveness and just all the things of God, all those, uh, you know, beautiful things that he intended our lives to be founded on the, the word and uh, love and truth. So that those have been the biggest impact in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so important. And, and to, to acknowledge it, to be able to look at it as, as you've mm -hmm. articulated and say, you know, these are the reasons why. And, um, and to share that with other people. And obviously you can tell I'm big on share it with other people. You know, yeah. Bye, share it with other people. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week at the same time for the continuation of this program. As we conclude this episode of Renegade Women and Soul Care, please remember to always take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. May you be blessed with peaceful nights and gentle days. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.